Coming out to you almost Coming live. out to you almost live from the from most boring, boring apocalypse in human apocalypse. history. The Cottonmouth Club. Hey folks, thanks so much for coming back to listen. This is our brand new podcast. The Cottonmouth Club presents. The Cottonmouth Club presents in which we talk all things bars, bartending, spirits, cocktails. Everything has to do with bars all through the specific lens of hospitality, which is unique to this kind of place. Fuego! Fuego. Fuego. So we're continuing our series of Cowboy Storytime, read by Danny Furness in his cowboy voice and his Texas twang. Right now we're reading Gunman's Bluff by Max Brand, in which our intrepid gunslinger Cheyenne loses the use of his right hand, which is his shooting hand. Today we're reading part four. But before we go on, I just want to remind everybody we are still bartenders, which means we do work for tips. So... I like what you're hearing. Give some love to our tip jar. That's Venmo, the Cottonmouth Club staff, the the Cottonmouth Club dash staff. Every little bit helps. We appreciate everyone who's dropped a buck or two in our tip jar. All the money goes directly to the staff to keep them in food and everything else they need until we figure all this out. So without further ado, I'm passing you on to Danny Furness reading Gunman's Bluff. Thanks so much and... Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. Stay tuned. Drum roll, please. Well, that took a turn for the misogynist, don't you think? Uh, yeah, funny. <laughs> when you say her, her eyes were okay. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, <laughs> this is if, a, if not a bit foolish. PSA for everyone's daughters. Yeah, yeah. Women aren't weaker. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see what happens with this misogynist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Misogynist son of a bitch. <laughs> Part four. The sky opened now, like the mouth of a dam, and let fall a blinding cascade of lightning. Thunder shook old Smokey to the roots. The vibration was great enough to detach a few rocks from the ragged roof of the cave and drop them heavily. The girl had sprung up as the explosions began. With its continuance, she shrank against Cheyenne. He put his arm around her loosely, and she was full of twitching and shuddering, like the hide of a sensitive horse. And, after all, there are even quite a few men, otherwise courageous, who are afraid of thunder and lightning. Hey, it's going to be all right, said Cheyenne. I'm afraid, she whispered, and it took her a few seconds to get the last word out. She stammered so badly on the F. You want company? said Cheyenne. Come here, sideways. His gray mare came over at once, sniffed at the fire, pricked her ears at the next river lightning, then gave her attention to the girl. She put one hand up and gripped the mare's mane. What's your name? asked Cheyenne. She said her name was Dolly. Dolly is short for Dorothy, isn't it? asked Cheyenne. Well, Dorothy, get a hold of yourself. I shall. I'm going to, she declared. But she only got a stronger grip on Cheyenne. I'm going to be all right, she said. You won't leave me, will you? No, said Cheyenne. Oh, what must you think of me? What can you think of me, she moaned. Cheyenne, thinking of his own weakness, colored but said nothing. Say something, she demanded. Talk to me. I'll get a hold of myself if I have something besides thunder to listen to. He sighed. A child might have talked like this. And except for years, of course, she was nothing but a child. He said, when you came and leaned on me at first, I was sort of reminded of something. Do tell me, pleaded the girl. Yeah, I'm going to, said Cheyenne. A new outbreak of madness in the sky knocked Dorothy into a shuddering pulp again. He patted her shoulder, which seemed to have no bone in it. Strange to say, it was compound of softness and roundness. Stranger still, 
From the patting of the girl's shoulder, a ridiculous feeling of comfort and happiness began to run up the arm of Cheyenne to his heart. Up Montana way, said Cheyenne, I was riding one time with some hombres who were aiming to run down a big wild Mustang herd that didn't have a stallion at the head of it. She had black points all around, and she was smart as a hellcat. Many a remuda she busted up, took away the faster half. There was such a frightening downpour of lightning and thunder here that the cave was revealed in one continuing, quivering glare of white brilliance, and the uproar stifled the outcry of the girl. So Cheyenne, with a sigh, sat down on a rock. It would be much easier to endure the leaning in that posture. She sat beside him, using his shoulder and one of her hands to shut out the side of danger. Go on, please, don't stop talking, she said. He went on. We got on the heels of the herd and followed it for quite a spell, and one day, with a good relay of horses, we gave the Mustang herd a hard run. Then I discovered that the gray mare was no longer leading. Instead, she'd come back to the rear of the herd, and as the rest of the band shot by, there she was, left, standing, looking at us, pricking her ears. It was the queerest thing I ever saw. Horses have fast legs so that they can run away, but it looked as though that she-devil intended to charge us to drive us away from the herd. I just had time to notice that she was big with foal when Art Gleason, off to my right, jerked up his rifle and sank a bullet in her. Well, she didn't budge. She didn't even put her ears back. She just stood there and looked. Gleason and the rest, they were charging along, but there was something about the way the old girl pricked her ears and faced the world that stopped me. I pulled up and saw the blood running out of where Gleason's bullet had gone home. I wanted to go and help her and try to stop the bleeding. And then I saw that she was hurt, where help would do no good. As a matter of fact, she should have been dying right then and there. You understand? No, said the girl faintly. The maternal instinct, it was stronger than death. She was dead, all right. Gleason's bullet had killed her, but she wouldn't die. She kept her ears pricked forward, looking at happy days, it seemed to me. And when the foal was born, that mare laid down and died. While I stood by and wondered over her and damned the buzzards that were beginning to sail into the sky, that foal came over and leaned on me. It was a queer thing. Soft. It was all soft. It poked its nose into my hand and sucked my thumb. It had its legs all spread out to keep balance, and there I was, a thousand miles from no place. The lightning shot from the sky in such a mighty stream that all the other displays had been nothing. The thunder plunged like iron horses in an iron valley. But through the tremendous tumult, the girl, as though unaware of fear now, threw back her head and cried to Cheyenne, But what did you do? Not by the glow of the fire, but by lightning, he saw her face, suffused and her eyes shining wide open. I started to go for the nearest ranch, she said, but the doggone filly started after me, and its legs sprawling every which way. It was the doggonest thing. And then, said the girl, he found that he had been dreaming the scene all over again, silently. He smiled back into the face of the girl, and she smiled in expectant excitement in return. Well, we both got back to the ranch, she said, at last. It was a pretty tight squeeze, and that filly needed a good lot of helping along the way. She pretty near had to be carried to the last stretch. But we both got there, and with a few days' care, she began to come around on cow's milk, with some sugar at it. He kept on smiling at her, and she smiled back. I know something, she said. Do you, said Cheyenne, with something in his voice that had never been there before, an uneasy joy working in his throat. Yes, I know something. That filly of the poor gray mare. She's the very one you have here. This is that same filly grown up. Not so grown up either, said Cheyenne. 
She still doesn't know enough to keep her nose out of my pockets. She'll try anything from bull Durham to paper money. Ah, the darling, cried the girl. And she sprang up and put her arms around the neck of the gray mare. Something had been filling the heart of Cheyenne for a long time, perhaps, and now he discovered that it was full to the brim and running over with a foolish excess of happiness. He stood up also. Thunder peeled more gently, running to the distance in the south. Plainly the storm was no more than a heavy squall. And now, far beyond the mouth of the cave, he saw a shaft of golden sunlight streaming down on the earth. After putting out the fire, they went out with the horses into the open. The northern sky was tumbled white and blue. To the south, the storm fled with its load of thunder. The girl could hardly leave the gray mare. What's her name? asked Dorothy. Sideways. Sideways is the way she bucks. She's got some pretty mean twisters up her sleeve, too. They mounted and rode out onto the trail. The rain still dripped on the cliffs, and the sun made them shine like dark diamonds. You haven't told me your name, she said. John Jones, he said. Is it? Well, I never would have guessed that. I would have guessed something... Well, something else. Which way? I'm taking the southern pass. I ride north, he said gloomily. You're not leaving this part of the range. You're not just riding through, are you? She entreated, and she held out a slim brown hand toward him to prevent the wrong answer. Well, he began, I wish you were going to be somewhere around till Saturday, she told him. There's going to be a dance that day. How I wish you were going to be there. I shall be, said Cheyenne. He listened to his voice say that, and was amazed. It could not be coming from his own throat. If he were to go on living, he must be far away by Saturday. You will come? How happy I am. The dance is at Martindale. He heard the word, but would not believe it. The picture of the old town ran again through his mind. He knew every inch of the place, and Martindale knew him. It had been named by the first of the Martin clan to settle in the mountains. It would be far better for him to attend a dance in a nest of rattlesnakes than to go to Martindale. And you, your name? He asked slowly. I'm Dolly Martin. I'm Ned Martin's daughter, she said. He pulled off his hat and took her hands in his. The warmth of her touch seemed to resensitize that half-dead right hand of his. Saturday night, he said. I'll be looking for you every minute. Thank you a lot. I'm sorry I was so silly. He could not believe what he was saying. Lots of men are afraid of lightning, too. A fellow can't help me in that way. It was a beautiful story, said Dorothy Martin. I loved it, and I love Sideways, too, the darling. Goodbye. That was Monday. He gave Cheyenne five days to get his right hand in working shape. I didn't know you were reading Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But Cheyenne's by his lonesome, so. <laughs> <laughs>